life is full of ups and downs. Well, the reason I say that is because diesel and petrol prices are up. Coronavirus cases are going down. But you know what? This is the month of October. This is the month of festivals. This is the month of flying high. This is the month of coming back home. Talking of flying high and coming back home, we decided this week to focus our attention on the world of aviation, airlines, flights, and so on and so forth. Joy and I, this week, will talk a lot about some very interesting stories around the recent Tata takeover of Air India and a whole lot of airline trivia. Welcome to Fact of the Matter, our weekly podcast, which is available on all your favorite platforms. And this is going to be Joy Bhattacharya and me, Ratin Basu, taking you across a lot of interesting tidbits, nuggets, and anecdotes over the next 30, 40 minutes or so. So we move into main course, where we'll talk of aviation and flights and Air India and Tata. But before that, Joy, it's been a while since we spoke and it's been a while since we've been together on the pod. How are you and how have you been doing? I've been doing absolutely fine. I'm doing volleyball during the day, cricket at night. Somewhere in between, I have quizzes and fact of the matter. So, yeah, it's busy time. This October is a really busy October. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Volleyball, cricket, one must start thinking whether you're actually playing all these games or not. Actually, it, it wouldn't be bad, right? I mean, it would be fantastic. Yeah. But let's move straight into main course where we'll start off with a fascinating story. Now, we all know about the recent episode of the entire Air India takeover, privatization of Air India and, you know, the Tata Group who initially started the first ever airline company in India. You know, they have come back and they have taken it back and they have promised to sort of reinvent India's biggest private, uh, biggest public airline. But my story is a little bit different. Now, during the glorious age of flying, you know, uh, Air India's endearing mascot, the Maharaja, you know, oversized moustache, his turban, his, you know, his special nose, etc., became a symbol of the new India. Now, in the early 1960s, by the way, Air India Joy acquired its first Boeing 707, and it became apparently the first Asian carrier to introduce a jet aircraft in its fleet. Today, the situation has changed, and before the Tata takeover. But in 1967, Joy, top executives of Air India were meeting at an upscale hotel in New York City where they ran into a special man. And that man was Salvador Dali, this famous Spanish painter and surrealist. Now, this hotel was Dali's favorite and apparently the airline officials said, why don't you come over and have a, you know, maybe a cup of tea with us or something. And then while talking, they requested the Spanish, you know, painter par extraordinaire to create something for Air India that they could gift as a souvenir to a few of the airline's most valued customers. Now, apparently, Joy, Air India was a formidable art connoisseur and from its very early years, it owned an enviable collection from across the world. But to cut a long story short, Dali agreed to design what? A limited edition ashtray. The first time somebody like him was commissioned to design a special art object for an airline. And he promised a unique design using what was his trademark style, the double imagery. So it was made of white porcelain. The body was shaped like the outer cover of a shell draped by a serpent, inspired by one of, you know, Dali's partner and news, uh, Gala, the inspired one of Gala's uh, bracelets, the, you know, 
the same she apparently wore in the portrait gallerina that Dali had painted in 45. It stood on three surrealist legs, one side of which was a swan flanked on each side by an elephant head. And now Dali was very interested in elephant, which I'll come later to the story. So all this was done. It was a brilliant, brilliant uh, testimony to Dali's double imagery masterpiece, etc. And it was apparently based on an earlier work called Swans Reflecting Elephants. But the airline executives very nicely said, fair enough, you've done such a great job. What what is your fee? And Dali asked for what, Joy? An elephant. And to the apparently the bewildered India officials, he said, I wish to keep him in my olive grove and watch the patterns of shadows the moonlight makes through the twigs on his back. So the airline's executives thought he was joking, but apparently he was dead, dead serious. And uh, the deal was struck and a two-year-old elephant was flown across from Bangalore to Geneva by Air India. The calf was called Big Baby, accompanied by a mahout. And after the customs formalities were completed, it boarded a special truck and moved from Geneva to Kadek, a small Catalonian town where Dali lived in those days. And apparently Dali named this Jumbo Surus, which was named after Hannibal's mythical war elephant. And now listeners will remember we spoke about Hannibal in one of our earlier episodes, the Carthaginian war hero. But this elephant became the you know, the toast of the town of Kadek. And apparently there was a colorful procession. There was a three-day carnival when, when the elephant landed up. And pink champagne, Dali's favorite beverage, was served along with a special fusion drink made from wine and Indian tea called Sherpa tea. Unbelievable stories, Joy. So this was Dali <laughs> and my Air India story. No, but I, I actually chased up on that elephant afterwards and I was wondering what happened to that elephant. Yeah. And as it turns out that that elephant then moved from Barcelona Zoo, he first went to Barcelona Zoo and then his permanent home was at Valencia Zoo. Okay. And I have just discovered that there's this absolutely fantastic Swedish site that actually tabulates and finds out every elephant in the world and where they are. Wow. And today, for example, there's a happy birthday to elephants. One of them in Thailand, one of them in Turkey. Happy birthday, Pung, in Turkey. <laughs> and there's a, I love it. The fact that there's an elephant database around the world is something fantastic. But wait, I'm, I'm straying from the point. What I also wanted to talk about was actually airlines. And you were talking about airlines. Hmm. And I said, what are some really interesting airlines? So a couple of airlines that I found really interesting. One is somebody called Casino Express Airlines. Okay. And the whole idea was that basically places like Portland, Seattle, El Paso, they have lots of these really big gamblers. And they said, how do we get them to Las Vegas? Because that's where, you know, Elko, Las Vegas, all the big places, that's where the gambling is. So they offered them flights, return flights for $49. And obviously the idea is that the entire airline was subsidized yeah. by the casinos. Because, you know, you get the guys in, they're going to spend so much money out here. So this actually worked. From 89 to 2005, they carried more than 40,000 passengers to just call in a plane called the Casino Express Airline. Did they have and, slot, uh, slot machines, uh, Joy, inside the planes? Because, you know, from what I've heard in Las Vegas, apparently you have slot machines the moment you step out of the aeroplane onto the, the walkway. Because they don't want you to miss a second 
of opportunity <laughs> of taking your money away from you so apparently before you get into the plane or before you or as soon as you step out of a plane in las vegas apparently there are slot machines staring at you so you can start straight away and start giving away money it's like a las vegas yeah, i yeah. love the town joy you go in with <laughs> tons of money and you start throwing it away moment you enter i mean brilliant concept <laughs> casino airways i mean my god i don't yeah, think my, i don't think my dad would have allowed me to take a flight yeah, like that if i ever a, said yeah with an hundred <laughs> no way it's just 49 dollars yeah. i know so i think it's actually uh, the place is at red line hotel and casino which is in elkun nevada it's not exactly las vegas but close enough that's okay. where all the big casinos are and the red line is what the mascot of the airlines was but wait if you think that's crazy that having just a set of guys to you know gamble and offering them 49 dollar round trips here's this one in 2008 there's a german airline called usi urlaub Okay. where they had a service where basically it was a new airlines you got onto the flight no you basically got onto the flight with your clothes yes you took off your clothes and you could fly new and it was a basically one day trip from a place called erfurt in eastern germany to a place called usedom which oh. is a small place in the baltic sea yeah. so the whole idea was it was a new dream and that's what this entire event was about but I, that, I, i know maybe a lot of young people are listening to this but just one question being a trivia buff would the pilots and the people serving you would they also have to be in the buff or would they could they be closed apparently the pilot and the steward and stewardesses wore clothes but uh, well just give you a third airline and this is far more decent and i'm far more family oriented well my third airline is something which we all thought was uh, a place which had a different name now delhi's ina market is famous for its food and its fresh produce you can get from crabs to sausages to stuff like that and every one of us thought that ina market is named after the indian national army isn't it it's not i thought it it's is not. it's not oh okay it's named after the indian national airways and the indian national airways is this actually huge airway which was also there in 1947 it was started off in the 30s after it was started off much after of course uh, what the tata started off but the point of this airline was that the man who started this airline okay mm. and he is a very very interesting character he is actually the man who started the bcci as well so the man who started this airline was a man called ari grant govan okay. who was an industrialist who also founded the BCCI and he started off in 1933 and it was doing pretty well there were seven or eight planes then it was bought over by the dalmia group and it later it was totally taken over but because their headquarters was there around that ina area it was right. called the indian national airlines area that's how ina market gets its name this so is, this something is, that i didn't know this is so fascinating joy till this moment till the time we told this story in my mind the ina market which you know for listeners it's one of the premium markets in south central delhi if i can say in what is technically called the edge of luckians delhi is a premium market where you get you know high end uh, vegetables fish chicken and and all forms of meat and other produce it's very well known it's very very friendly uh, towards expats and diplomats who stay in the chankiapuri area but i thought ina meant the indian national army from the indian freedom struggle wow this is this is scintillating stuff fantastic and moving from ina and moving from bccci my story shifts from dali and air india to a musical joy and i'm talking about a canadian wow. musical which was created by irene sankoff and david hine called come from away okay and this musical has been produced in 
2013, 17, in Broadway in 2017. It had a North American tour in 2018. 2019, it was in the West End. But what's special about this musical, Joy? You know, it is set in the week following the 9-11 attacks and tells the true story of what happened when 38 planes were ordered to land unexpectedly in a small town called Gander in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada, as part of Operation Yellow Ribbon. This, if you remember, Joy, is when the yeah. plane hit the Twin Towers. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that famous picture that all Absolutely. these small airstrip and all those planes on top of it. Yeah, Absolutely. So this is a musical, if you believe it or not. And the characters are based on real Gander residents, as well as some of the 7,000 stranded travelers they all housed and fed. This was an incredible story. And it has apparently has been received very well by audiences and you know critics because it talks of the capacity for human kindness, even in the darkest of times, and you know, finally a triumph of humanity over hatred and so on and so forth. It premiered at the Abbey Theatre in Dublin, then was transferred to the West End, as I said, and it was nominated in the Tony Awards in 2017 for seven awards. And, you know, I thought this was a lovely, lovely story. Who would have thought that something like this would get turned into a musical? I haven't seen it myself, but would um, love to watch it someday. Incidentally, to close off the Tata story, I just want to add right at the end that the Dali ashtrays were finally, and as always with all things Air India and all things around Air India, there was different reports of the actual number of Dali ashtrays which were made, but it appears that apparently 800 of them were crafted by a company called Limoges, which was a France-based porcelain maker. And amongst the other you know, guests or esteemed guests, or customers, it was also gifted to Prince Juan Carlos, later crowned King of Spain in 1975. So that's my ending of the Dali story mm. and the musical and all of this. But you know, I just I just love the Dali story and the fact that Limoges is famous for its very very high end stuff. You know, it's famous for its science stuff. But uh, you know, when we started talking about airlines, I decided to go in a totally different direction, and I was thinking of. You know, why why do we call them air hostesses? You know, in other right. places you call them passenger lines, you call them stewards. Why why hostesses? What's the difference between a hostess and a steward? Right. And actually I was doing a bit of reading on it, and it turned out that actually the first when it started, it they didn't start, you know, air cabin crew didn't start on planes. It started on Zeppelin ships. Because airships were the first thing to carry passengers in that much quantity. And the first chap was a chap called Heinrich Kubis. Okay. And he was there from 1912 and when the Hindenburg, you know, burst into flames, if you remember the famous yep. story, yep. he was one of the few who survived. He jumped out of a window and he survived. But in wow. those days, they were actually more people who'd serve stuff, as we think of air hostesses and air stewards sure. nowadays. Sure. But the first air hostess who came in was a lady called Ellen Church. And she was actually good enough to fly. But in those days, they wouldn't allow women pilots right. in the commercial airlines. So she became something called an air hostess. And the difference was she was a nurse. And so from then on, it became a rule that all of them would be on a flight. This is 1930 onwards. Sure. From United Airlines, she started. All of them will be nurses. All air hostesses were registered nurses. And makes sense, right? Yeah, and makes sense, right? Because if you're up in the air and if there is a medical emergency, I mean, being a nurse along with uh, your service experience uh, helps massively. So I can can understand why why they did it yeah, yeah and they were big yeah they were amazing people and they were nurses and it only stopped in 1939 1940 because once the second world war started there was so much of a need for nurses 
that you couldn't have it. And then that category became again, people who could just do whatever they wanted to. But, uh, you know, I was just reading about it. Remember that this is the, in USA, it's a great depression. And they were talking about basically an examination where at least something like 2000 people applied for a job for just four air hostesses because it was considered to be the most glamorous job. And even if you come to India in the 60s, 70s, being an air hostess with Air India or one of the international airlines was considered to be one of the most glamorous jobs. I mean, it is still considered glamorous, but perhaps not as glamorous as this thing used to be maybe, you know, 15, 20 years before, um, 25 years before perhaps. So I was just thinking about it. If you look at it, Maureen Vadia is a former air hostess. Nina Pillai, who married uh, Rajan Pillai, was an air hostess. Uh, Nitya Bhanot was an air hostess. And of course, we remember her story. But do you know also she was a top model before she was an air hostess? The first proper Binaka toothpaste ads were with Nitya Bhanot. So, you know, the air hostesses were among the most glamorous people of their time in those 60s, 70s. And the Air India air hostesses were the coolest people going around the country. Around the world, actually. Yeah, I still remember. I mean, in the in the you know in the seventies and eighties, watching uh, you know the Air India, not only the, the flight crew but also captains, etc. They would always be nattily dressed, and they had that special, odd-looking. I don't know what you call it. It's like a very yeah, 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 yeah. They, 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 yeah. Their bags were very different. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I used to find that fascinating. But will any of these air hostesses joy take up a job in the only one-star-rated airline according to Skytrax? An airline called Air Corio, which belongs to North Korea. I <laughs> And that uh, I think is a lot about airlines and aviations. But as always, since you know Joy, I love to have the last word. Let me tell you a story. In 1987, a guy bought a lifetime unlimited first class American Airlines ticket for 250,000 US. Okay. People would have thought he's mad. Okay. He flew after that. Over 10,000 flights costing the company $21 million. So much so that American Airlines terminated his ticket in 2008, saying, <laughs> <laughs> You're good to him, man. <laughs> I want to meet this guy. 21 million. This is first class, American Airlines, unlimited, lifetime. He would have had a ball, don't you think? I mean, this is unbelievable. So, yes, I mean, th- there are many, many interesting facts about airlines and love. I hope you all love listening to it because we have to bring down the curtains on main course because we have to fly off somewhere else. But before we go, remember, do write to us at factofthematter, india at gmail.com. Fact of the Matter, our podcast is available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Report, Stitcher, and almost every other platform or streaming platform where you listen to your audio experience. Please participate in our quizzes and please send us your suggestions, give us your feedback, like we always ask you to do at the halfway stage of this episode where we will go into a very short break. See you on the other side. Welcome back. And since we have deviated a little bit by taking a break, which I think we all needed, Joy and I were flying too high, uh, we will move into our next section, which is Believe It or Not, where we talk about some crazy news, weird news, funny news, etc., etc. Bharacharya, what do you have for us this week? I have a story from Java. It's not the coffee, but okay. it's a story from Java. Okay. And it's a man who I really admire. You know, he's been heard of before, but recently, a Khoirul Anam from Magelang in Java 
okay. he went to facebook and he posted on facebook that he is getting married and he's getting married he's got his traditional wedding attire on okay but his wife is a bit different she was in a white veil but it turned out that his bride was a rice cooker what you are yes. making this up joy do no, not no 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 he's posted it on facebook he's put a lot of stuff and i think he said something that when <laughs> is the most sexist things i've ever heard in my life but anyway i'm i'm saying it as it is hmm. so he listed the qualities of his wife which he thought were very good qualities fair because it's a white cooker okay quiet obedient does not talk much knows how to cook so obviously <laughs> i don't think his response was most popular in the world and, uh, but what about what about whistles a merry tune also when the rice is almost ready <laughs> sorry very bad joke but yes but 4 days later he's uh, informed his followers that he's divorced his uh, newlywed wife so it's a heavy decision okay. i think the pressure got to him but he said he admitted that there's no perfect partner for him he said my decision is round heavy indeed but this is the way i take no perfect partner the pressure <laughs> the pressure got to him i think uh, is very very apt i mean yeah fun intended of course <laughs> when it's a rice cooker but marrying your rice cooker i mean joy i mean you're really plumbing the depths the world's tiniest cow was uh, what you came back with last week now you're going to do it but i have this something is a- It's a wonderful world we live in, boss. Believe okay, it or not, going. you are pushing the boundaries of believe it or not. Oh, wait, wait, wait. In in which case, while let me let me just finish my story. So Go. that story is ended. But you see, there are people who keep getting married to things. So in if you remember when Ashwarya Rai got married, and this is pretty common in India. Mm-hmm. If you're a manglik, it's considered that you know you're you're supposed to be you know it's not good for your husband's health or your wife's health if you get married to a manglik. Mm-hmm. So what they do is, and there's a tradition of getting married to a tree. And Ashwarya Rai apparently in the ceremony originally. he got married to a tree so that you know that marriage is over and therefore all the bad star signs and all get removed and uh, somebody actually filed the case against it so it's all that she was supposed to have married a people tree at banaras so there's one very lonely people tree in banaras who was probably says to all his fellow people trees that you know i was once married to ashwarya that but uh, in fact yeah. i read somewhere that this entire marriage was apparently called a movement for the people by the people and of the people i mean you know yeah so Okay, that's worse than anything I've ever said. I, But keep going, keep going. I, I, I thought that you needed something like that to put a stop to this uh, <laughs> utterly unbelievable. I don't want to say nonsense, but it was pretty nonsensical. But hey, what is nonsensical can well be true. My story is slightly different. It is not. It is weird, but it may not be nonsensical. It is about joy, the country of Rwanda. and its capital kigali where if you want to go to a bar in the evening to have a nice time you know where you'll be going you'll be going to a milk bar unbelievable rwanda has the world's largest number of milk bars these are places to meet for breakfast or lunch to socialize with people to throw back a frothy glass of cold ikivuguto which is fermented milk or you know have a hot mug of inshushu which is raw milk that's boiled and these local watering holes reflect of you know a little known truth about how strong cows and milk are to rwandan culture you thought you would get away with a cow the world's tiniest cow story last week this is my cow story <laughs> now remember 70% of rwanda's population is engaged in the agricultural sector cows are a economic asset as well as a symbol of wealth and social status in rural areas now you might turn around and say joy that this was very similar in india as well right 
for many years i mean yeah wealth is all about cows in fact one of the things that you know when you especially when people get married and the priest keeps asking people what's your gotra yeah so shandilya gotra kashyap gotra and all gotra literally means cow pen or herd of cows so your lineage is which lineage you come from mm-hmm. is defined by which literally which cow pen you come from so yeah it's not uncommon at all wow and in rwanda by the way when you want to wish someone well this is just listen to this you say gira inka which doesn't mean in hindi you put some ink on yourself but it means may you have a cow and you might also say amasho which means may you have thousands of cows and in response you might hear amashongore which means may you have thousands of female cows now i, I don't know what where this is going but when you want to express profound right. gratitude apparently you say nuhai inka which means i give you a cow now i don't know uh, how difficult but traditional rwandan dances apparently are also inspired by cows in you know umushayayo which is a rwandan ballet women emulate the gentle movements of cows while showing their beauty and grace and in other dances men and women stretch their arms upwards to represent cow horns cows are held in very high regard so apparently children's names also have the cow incorporated like for example munganika which means valuable as a cow taniana which means female calf and giramata which i found was very nice which means have milk so at milk bars markets and this is only for you joy if you want to make a woman blush say ufite amaso nakainana which means you have eyes like a calf that's my story joy <laughs> man i am a lactose intolerant person <laughs> i'm already i'm just listening to this much about cows is making me feel nervous uh, so yeah i i'll just give it a pass you win i promise you i will not talk about miniature cows again i'm sorry it was a mistake ratin i'm really sorry i'm not going to do it again uh, by the way i have not find a sense rwanda was part of german africa joy historically and apparently the king of rwanda at the love for milk came down from germans who actually helped set up the first proper dairy etc etc cows also served as a form of currency from the 15th century you know and it, people you know would work in special cowherd roles in homes of rich families who could afford it and etc etc so the milk becomes a phenomenal part of rwandan living and this is this is a lovely story i thought there's enough 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 thank you so much sir no, lovely right. i promise not to mention cows if you promise not to mention milk again no need to have a Stop. cow joy about, about this it's okay <laughs> it's fine so that was believe it or not and these are believable slash unbelievable stories but without wasting any more time we move into crazy words and facts joy you need to change that title it's now many many episodes you need to give us something you originally said cute words and originally uh, now you changed it to crazy crazy yeah no no cute words and phrases if you if you make out why i don't like it at all you have to think of yeah. a new name and give it to us we'll be we'll call it from next time but in cute words and phrases the word i have this week is a very special one so what is this word now in arabic dictionaries you would often find a word called yasara y a s a r a which meant he played at dice as in you know d i c e dice yeah. this moved into spanish courtesy the moors so the moorish occupation where the word azar a z a r came in which meant an unfortunate card or a throw at dice okay from spanish it moved in the 1300s to old french 
where a game of chance played with dice was called H-A-S-A-R-D, hazard. And that is the root of the word hazard, the way we know today. So this is my word of, of today. And in English, hazard means, you know, a chance of loss or harm or risk was recorded in the 1540s. But this is the route it took. Now, some people say it came from the Arabic word azar or alzar, which means the dice, but apparently it's not because zar is not there in classic Arabic dictionaries. So this root of Arabic yasara to the Spanish azar to the old French hazard or hazard and then into hazard is yeah. recognized today as probably the right etymological. Well, I find it fascinating that, uh, you know, dye is basically the origin of hazard and gambling is basically what caused dye. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that even then they knew that gambling was probably a soldier's worst enemy. But uh, my origin is slightly more prosaic, but I love it because it has a connection with, you know, we were talking about airlines and all. So I wanted to talk about this phrase which we often use, flying colours. Okay. So somebody passes with flying, flying colors, colors or somebody does genuine. Yeah. And I was wondering what it was. So the origin is that when ships would come back, especially between the 15th and 18th centuries, they'd come back from a battle. Mm-hmm. If they were still flying their colors, it means they had won the battle. So basically, if you're coming back from a battle from a from a distance, you can make out, oh, that ship has come back with flying colors. That means the ship has won the battle. So right. past literally comes from that. And from there, there are a few other origins. Striking your colors means basically surrender to the enemy because the enemy will ask you to bring down your colors. And that's how the enemy takes over. Okay. And there are two other terms with that. One is false colors, under false colors, which is not so often used, but where pirates would normally have a flag from another country and all, and then it'd come very close and then the skull and crossbones would come out. Right. Though actually skull and crossbones weren't used as much often as we think. Usually yeah. they just use a black flag, not a skull and crossbones. And the last one is, when you don't want to surrender and okay. you know, you're fighting an enemy and you say it's a fight to the death, it was nail your colors to your mask. So your colors can't come down. So somebody goes up and nails the flag to the mask, which ah. means, dude, either you kill all of us or it won't, it won't end out here. So those are the origins I had. But I was just fascinated to know that colors, flying colors was about ships coming back after a battle. I always knew deep inside you were an old sea dog and you had a little bit <laughs> of probably pirate blood inside you. I don't know where from. From the, from the Portuguese armada, which came up the Ganges, yeah. yeah, somewhere down that line. But, Chittagong, absolutely. Chittagong, but we will leave those origins to another day where we will try and see if we can find some connection, which we all love to do. But that brings us to the end of cute words and phrases. And we move to the next section, which I'm so looking forward to, Joy, because I have a fantastic question for you. This is, ladies and gentlemen, Bare Naked Lies, where Joy and I try to bluff each other and try and win a game of nerves, jangling nerves, if I might say so. Joy, my question to you, basis the theme which we have discussed today is this. The pressurization of an airplane cabin alters the function of taste buds, causing a decrease of up to 30% in the ability to taste saltiness or sweetness. And this is one of the central reasons why many people dislike airline food, including me. Am I saying the truth or am I bluffing you? Well, I don't know about the 30%. Uh, you might be fooling me on that, but no, I'll still go with it. And I'm going to say you're telling the truth because I know it's an accepted phenomenon. You're correct. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I couldn't bluff you. That's absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, published on the internet about some crazy facts. I mean, I actually thought of asking you one about this 
which I think you know, which is why, which is about this uh, Formula One Abu Dhabi bet, which took place between Richard Branson and Tony Fernandez, Virgin on one side and Air Asia. That, that and whoever loses the bet would have to serve as an air hostess for one flight on the other's airline. And Richard Branson lost and actually came dressed as a yeah, yeah. Air, Asia, <laughs> air hostess. I've seen the picture. Yeah, amazing picture. But I thought yeah. that might might get it. But anyways, well done. You're one up. What's your question? Okay, my question is that the tripos is yeah. the most important important examination in Cambridge. You know the examination, and it's a traditionally the person who tops the tripos is called the senior wrangler. You know, okay. it's a very very it's a great honor. Senior wrangler at a tripos in Cambridge is you know academically somebody who's greatly regarded. The term for the person who comes last is they were offered or given a wooden spoon. So the person who was top was called a senior wrangler. The person who came last was called a wooden spoon. Correct or incorrect? I'm trying to think a wooden spoon has some other connotation. But since you said correct to my option, I'll take a chance and say you're right. You're correct. Well, you're absolutely correct. It is. The wood origin of wooden spoon was the yes. last place finisher at Cambridge <laughs> University at the Tripos. <laughs> so, bluff and double bluff. This was uh, probably both double bluff, but one all, honours intact and the battle continues. But Joy, I think you're way ahead uh, in, in overall numbers, but don't worry, it's still early days yet. I will try and find more and more interesting stuff. And I think we are really moving into esoteric stuff if, if one were to check what we spoke about today. So be careful. What, what was that saying about fools step in where angels fear to tread? And I think we are going to. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. we are going where even fools fear to tread. So yeah, <laughs> beware. beware. We are going to come in with some more wacky stuff. But now we come to the last portion of this episode where we are going to get the listeners involved. So Joy, last episode, you had asked a fascinating question about necks and a city and something. Tell us what that question was and I will tell you who gave the correct answer. Okay, so the question was, which specific place in Europe is known around the world as a town of bent necks? Town of bent necks. Yeah. So the place is actually called, let me see if I can pronounce this right, Herzogenorak. Herzogenorak is a small place, a small village or town where both Puma and Adidas have their factories. And if you know the story, they were brothers. Okay. Now, the thing is that everyone is either a Puma employee or an Adidas employee or has family who's a Puma employee or an Adidas employee. So everyone, whenever you meet them, they look down at you to see what shoes you're wearing. Are you wearing Puma shoes or Adidas shoes? Because then they know which side are you a supporter of. So that's why this town is known as a town of bent necks because Adidas and Puma are there and everyone checks your shoes before checking your face. So do you have a, any correct yes. answers? Yes, and correct wow. answers wow. have come from a lot of people. Correct answers have come from Anil Thomas, Naman Agarwal, Varun Ved, Neeraj Dubey, Shantanu Sharma, Saurabh Shukla, and many others. But well done all, well done. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic question, and I think a brilliant answer. Bent necks, and you know, yeah, of course, you'll have a bent neck if you're looking at each other. But congratulations to all of you. Joy, what is your question for this week? Okay, question coming up is This man was paid $250,000 for the film rights to his story, 
but he not never got to see the film in a theater when it was released he however was given and carried around a poster of the film just before its release identify the film which was successfully released in the mid 2000s so think you are paid 250000 for the rights to your story okay but you never saw the film when it was released okay. you were given a poster of the film which you carried around and this film was this is not a very old film this film was released in the mid 2000s by a very famous director so which film fantastic so if you know the answer to that question please rush in your answers to this email address factofthematterindia@gmail.com catch this episode and all other episodes as always on spotify apple podcasts amazon music google podcasts and every other audio streaming platform you prefer keep writing to us as we always say give us your feedback talk to us give us suggestions thoughts if you want any other sections if you need or if you like to hear something else from the great wide world of trivia facts and anecdotes we are always there to try and you know bring that dream to fruition but till the next episode please have a great time if you are in india enjoy this festival period wish you happy durga puja happy dashera and we will come back we promise more interesting materials next week from joy and me here this is us signing off as fact of the matter stay safe stay well <laughs>